Okay, we're back. It's Monday, December 4th. Panos Mavridi show. Uh, I'm Tassos here. We got Panos. We got Raven behind the mics. How we doing, Panos? Doing great. Lots of hockey this weekend. Um, do you want to start by talking about your LA Rams, though? My LA Rams? Yeah, they won this weekend. And we did win this week. That was a little bit of a surprise. I wasn't expecting the LA Rams talk here. No, I just um, I figured we, it Sunday was yesterday. No, I mean I'm happy with that. We're in the NFC race, so I'll, I'll take it. But I didn't get to watch the game because I had hockey during the game, unfortunately. But we're rolling. No, that's that's cool, man. I um I didn't get to watch a lot of bears. My bears. I'm not a bears <laughs> fan. If anything, oh, I resonate the most with like the Bills personally uh, because Bills. yeah, you know, like it's close to Toronto and. Um, the Dolphins were never really a, a team to get behind. Yeah, they weren't good until like four years ago, five years ago. Um, yeah, and like especially where I'm from in South Florida, everything is college football. So it was mostly like the Florida Gators were on the TV or, you know, that's about it. Sometimes you'd get like a good Northwestern Big Ten game on or something like that. But it wasn't really an NFL household. And if it was, like we'd put the Bills on or like the – the Redskins at the time, now the Commanders. Commanders. They were the Redskins when they were when, when we were watching them. They were, they were. Um, all right. So to start off the hockey, we'll we'll stick in LA. It was a great weekend of hockey. Um, let's stick in LA though. The Kings uh, with the last game of the weekend, they beat Colorado four two. It was a great game. I watched it. Um, Quentin Byfield is a beast. Um, Kopitar passes Marcel Dion for. Uh, first place on the Kings all-time assist list. That was uh, it was dominant. One of the Kings broadcasters I heard just say that it was Quentin Byfield's most uh, impactful game in the offensive zone. Probably he's seen him wa- like play in the NHL. Um, Panos, I know you were hot on the Kings early. You've been you've been on the Kings train this season for sure. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the Kings? Yeah, I mean I'm happy they're finally doing good because. Last year, I thought they could have been a contender if they had a goalie, but they didn't. They had uh, Copley and Jonas Corposalo, who, in my opinion, isn't that good. So I think they kind of wasted a year last year with their goaltending, and now they picked up Cam Talbot. I wasn't expecting him to be much of an upgrade, but he's actually been one of the better goalies in the league. So that's been fun. I'm happy that uh, Quentin Byfield's doing good, too. I've been big on him since the draft uh, when he got picked second overall. A lot of people were calling him a bust early on, even though he was like the youngest player from that draft class. And also he wasn't really getting many opportunities under Todd McClellan. And now he's getting top six opportunities as a winger with Kopitar. Um, so that's been fun to watch too. And uh, I think that, you know, Senators fans probably not sweating it yet because that's is still better. But Byfield, you know, he's finally coming into his way in the NHL. So it could get a little more closer than we expected. I think if we were to redo that draft, we'd probably take Stutzel first. Um, I would, yeah. Yeah, I would too. Um, but I'm just saying, within four years, is that still going to be the case now that Byfield's coming into his into his body more into the NHL? Yeah, I mean, you, you might be right there. Um, I, I think it's taken a bit of time for Quentin Byfield, but a lot of these, um, we've, we've talked about it, where some of these really top high-end generational talents have come in and sort of shifted the expectations of what a top three pick does when they step into the National Hockey League. And it did take 
uh, Byfield some time to to get used to the game, and he had to spend some time in, in Ontario, and, um, and he just wasn't getting many many opportunities in the top six. Like I remember two seasons ago, he was playing on the same line as Dustin Brown when Dustin Brown was having like the worst season of his career. Like that's not how you're going to develop your second overall pick. Um, you're going to develop him by playing him in the top six with guys like Kopitar um, and all those guys in the top. Six. I know you have to earn it, but at the same time, like either keep him in the AHL as a first liner or play him top six in the NHL. You can't play that guy third line with, you know, bottom six players. Yeah, he's playing with uh, Kopitar and Kempe, who yeah. leads the team with 22 points. Three guys on the Kings are tied for second, I guess, with 20 points. And it's Kopitar, it's Trevor Moore, and it's Kevin Fiala. Um, and then you got QB on the list and Philip Deneau. They're The Kings are just really deep. Like, I, I didn't... It, it was so long with the Los Angeles Kings of they've been accumulating what a lot of people called the best prospect pool in hockey. And then it was a question of how was it going to get put together because Byfield hadn't developed the way that a lot of people expected. Kaliev was still cutting his teeth in the NHL. Turcotte, you know, he still had his struggles. He hasn't really made an impact at the NHL level yet, but it seems he's doing better in the AHL. The thing um, with Turcotte is that he's had the concussion injuries, yeah. and now he's finally healthy for one season, and he's doing really solid in the AHL. But the thing with him now is he doesn't have room to, like, get into the NHL with L.A. Yeah. Um, but I just meant that these guys are now like a step, like making an established impact on the NHL roster. Even guys like Jordan Spence too. He has nine assists this season. Yeah. I watched a Daryl Belfry video. I don't know if you know who he is, Panos, but he's a really cool follow on Instagram. Just really good at breaking stuff down, breaking the tape down, breaking down the film. And, uh, he did a video on Spence this weekend and it was really good. Just how he breaks the puck out of the zone. Spent, you know, the defense is looking as robust as it can be, which, like, I know um, Vegas's decor is arguably the best in the Pacific right now, um, but uh, that Kings defense is really mobile and really talented. Yeah. And I also, I saw a tweet, I don't know how true it is or the fact-checking behind this, but apparently on Money Puck, for the first time in history, the LA Kings have the best percentage odds in a regular season to win the Stanley Cup. Wow. Um which is pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. As I said, I don't know how historical it is or how accurate, but that's what I saw. That for the first time in NHL history, on the in the regular season at least, the Kings have the best odds to win the Stanley Cup on money puck. Um, do you have any thoughts? We'll wrap up on the Kings talk, but do you have any thoughts on the adjustment of Pierre Luc Dubois to the Los Angeles Kings so far? It's taken him a little bit. He's still yeah, he's got what eleven points in twenty one games right now. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I think people are a little hard on him. The one re- the one thing that I have with Kings fans is that they're very reactional. I've seen a lot on Kings Twitter, people like, oh, Dubois has not really lived up to his potential, lived up to the money. First of all, it's the first quarter of the NHL season on a new team that he's playing with on the West Coast now coming from you know Winnipeg. So it's a little different. And also at the same time, LA is winning games. They're second second in the West, I think, based off point percentage, maybe third. Um, but they're doing good, right? They're doing really good. And the ability to roll three lines of three centers now helps them out a lot. Um, I think it was a win-win trade for both teams. So I'm not like I'm not mad at all for that trade for the Kings. I think Dubois is gonna come into his own too. He, right now he's playing third line as well. Kings are first um, in the West based on points percentage. Wow, first. 738. Dang. Yeah, Vegas exactly. Is, Vegas so, is second at 720. 
I don't know why LA fans are complaining about Dubois. You know, I understand being a little concerned based off of what he's making and how he's performing right now, but you guys are winning games. And a big part of that is because they can roll all three of their top nine now, you know. All right. From the Los Angeles Kings to the team that they beat in the 2014 Stanley Cup final, the New York Rangers. Um, That game was also pretty wild yesterday. I did take in a lot of that. Artemi Panarin has a hat trick and an assist. The Rangers defeat the San Jose Sharks 6-5. After the San Jose Sharks had defeated the New Jersey Devils 6-3 to on Wednesday, um, Jonathan Quick gets the start in net and the win for the Rangers. Um, Zibanejad also with a goal. What uh, Ke'Andre Miller also with a goal. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Rangers? I think they're buzzing right now. I mean, Panarin was number one on my MVP ratings today for my weekly power rankings for awards. So, you know, they're buzzing. Um, Igor Shashurkin hasn't even been that crazy this season, and they're still winning games. So their defense has improved. Their offense is really consistent now, especially with getting help from Lafreniere, um, elevating to what he should have been. So Rangers are good. In the East, they're probably one of the top contenders, right? They're the best team in the East, I believe, right now. Uh, are you, I don't are you know asking if- me? I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, think they are. Yeah, I would. I would. I would say they're there. I, I would say right now, if you're looking at teams that are clicking the most right now and beating other teams very soundly, I mean, you could make the argument that Boston had a really good weekend. Um, but yeah, I think Boston um, has struggled. So Boston has struggled against some weaker opponents. That's the only reason I would put Rangers over them. Like Boston even lost to Columbus a few nights ago. They beat Columbus yesterday. Yeah, but they lost them before that. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. Before. And they barely beat Columbus 3-1, and they only had one goal score in that game. It was Marshawn scoring all three goals. In the third period, it was that was a great <laughs> game. We'll talk more about yeah. Brad Marshawn later. But, um, yeah, no, I, I would say the Rangers are there. Um, when, when you look at the Rangers, I think uh, Eric Gustafson is seventh in scoring on their team. He has 15 points. And not to... Not to say that it's not good. Like, this guy put up, he was either 60 or close to 60 points for the Blackhawks here. Um, I know that was, like, five years ago now, uh, four or five years ago now. But um, I watched him play for the Leafs last year quite a bit. Um, I don't know if Adam Fox is out or if he continues having injury troubles. Um, that they played well in his absence. I don't know that they can overcome that entirely. Also, Shesterkin hasn't looked his best this season, um, so I don't. I don't know that the the depth is exactly where it could be. I think if these guys like Jimmy Vesey and Will Cooley, and I don't think Blake Wheeler has played up to his potential. Um, no, he hasn't really. But the thing with this is like, even without their bottom six really doing much, mainly being carried by their top six. And their goaltending not doing great. The Rangers are still winning a ton of games. So all they need is those guys to unlock their potential. Like if, imagine if Igor starts playing higher level or their bottom six starts contributing more. And I mean, I think it was Drake, Jacob Truba who said this. He said that the Rangers aren't even playing to their full potential yet. And that's scary for the rest of the league. I think that's what he said, which is it's true. Like if they're, what is, what is the record right now? 18, four and one or some crazy thing like that? Uh, Let me check. Something crazy like that. The New York Rangers are 18-4-1. Nice job. <laughs> exactly. So, like, if they're doing that and they're not even playing to their full potential, that is definitely scary for the rest of the East. Yeah, it definitely is. Ke'Andre Miller is also probably one of my top three favorite players to watch in the National Hockey League right now, too. Yeah, he's good. He's just so solid. His skating is excellent. I think he's 
not underrated because it's hard to be underrated when you're a New York Ranger, um, in my opinion. Uh, I have another team that we'll get to in a little bit that um, has a lot of underrated guys. But Ke'Andre Miller is just so fantastic. Um, yeah, I think he's going to play a big part in any success this team has moving forward. So uh, we'll wrap it up on the Rangers. The Dallas Stars um, are the team I wanted to get to next with you. They beat up on the Tampa Bay Lightning 8-1. to um, Joe Pavelski is having a phenomenal season. Um, you, you just got a lot to like on this Dallas Stars team. Do you think that what, – what do you think of the Stars as a Stanley Cup contender? I mean, I had them win the President's Trophy before the season started, so I've always been big on the Stars. I like their – for depth and i like how you know miro heiskanen is one of the better defensemen in the league even though he doesn't really get a lot of credit like he's probably one of the more underrated players in the league um just because you never hear anybody talk about miro heiskanen when you talk about top defensemen and then jake ottinger puck empire follower love watching him too he's really good um so i mean there's just a lot to like about dallas they're in a division too which is like not really competitive other than colorado um in my, I mean, and Winnipeg, I guess, but Winnipeg is just such a weird team, so I don't really know what to think of them. But Dallas, like, has a chance to really run away with that division, in my opinion, uh, just because of Colorado's inconsistency. Yeah, and I don't even think Jason Robertson has uh, heated up yet to his standards. Yeah. He'll he'll get going even more. He's, you know, if we were talking about Kendra Miller a second ago. Jason Robertson is probably my favorite player to watch in the league when he gets going. I love his game. Um, he picks corners like a top three player in the National Hockey League with his shot. And um, so he'll get going a little bit more too for them. I like that Jamie Benn is still a contributing player. Same with Tyler Sagan. He's having a pretty good season too. Um, those guys have dealt with a lot. And how cool would it be to see them win the Stanley Cup in Dallas? It, it would be cool, especially because like, uh, remember when they lost in the finals a few years ago? Jamie Ben was just in the locker room for like hours after the game. I don't know if you remember that video. Yeah, yeah. So I did feel really bad for him. I know a lot of people hate Jamie Ben around the league fans, but I, I like him. I think he deserves a cup, so it'd be cool to see. Yeah. And then I like, I also forget that they have Ryan Suter on the team too. Like, I think a lot of people <laughs> forget that. Yeah. Um, and also Jason Marchment would be cool to see win a, win a Stanley Cup too after what he's gone through the last few years too. Yeah, he's he's scoring now too. He's had like a good week and a half, last two weeks of yeah. putting pucks in the back of the net. So uh, good on the Stars. We'll keep an eye on them going forward. Uh, they definitely seem like they can make a serious run at the Stanley Cup. Um, another team that laid a beating on another was the Carolina Hurricanes beating the Buffalo Sabres Saturday night 6-2. to two. Um, I watched that game on Saturday, and Sebastian Ajo is so good. Like, he is underratedly just so – rips the puck so hard. Uh, the He had a one-timer in the first period, and it was just such a hard, hard shot, Panos, that it was um, – like, Patrick Laine, he used to shoot the puck like that. He really doesn't anymore, but just like a – like a violent whip of the puck, and Sebastian Ajo does that, and so so do a lot of guys on that team. Svechnikov really rips the puck hard, but um, I think Sebastian Ajo might be one of the most underrated guys in the NHL. What do you think about that? I agree, too, and I mean, that's kind of what happens when you play in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, you're not going to get much uh, 
media attention but a lot of guys on carolina are, are underrated like that too like seth jarvis is also really so good. good yeah seth jarvis is good kokaniemi's having like a really solid season i'm pretty sure after you know getting ragged on for years in montreal um and then even like brent burns people don't realize how he's still a really solid defenseman so carolina's yeah. a team that if they can just find some consistency because it feels like every night they're a different team if they can just find that consistency they're a threat in the east too but right now the way they're playing it's just they got to find more consistency and it relies on goaltending a lot too because their goalies are really inconsistent so i heard elliot friedman talking this morning and a little bit on saturday headlines uh about the possibility that the sharks move some defensemen among them included being mario ferraro who if I'm a GM, that would be the one guy that I would probably want to target off the Sharks' blue line. Uh, Freach connected them, connected him to the Hurricanes. Um, do you see any validity to that? Do you see them? I, I think it might be not a bit of overkill, but you know, you have Burns, Slavin, Pashi, uh, Orlov, right? You got Jalen Chatfield, um, former Winter Spitfires. Memorial Cup champion captain. We'll get to that a little bit later, too. Um, but um, do you think it would be not overkill, essentially, but maybe a little bit? Like, do you think the defense is really what Carolina needs to be going after to take them to that next level? Because we know that they all expect themselves even to make a push this year, like a really serious run for the Stanley Cup. I don't think it'd be overkill because I don't think you can have too many defensemen for a Stanley Cup run. I think the more defensemen you have, the more defensive players you have, the better. But at the same time, they do need more offense, in my opinion. Like, that's one thing that's been rough for them over the last few years is they just haven't had that offense. Um, and also, I mean, if you do want to get down on letting in less goals, even focus on getting a goalie, you know. Like, Frederick Anderson, we don't really know what's going to happen with him with his health issues. Uh, anti Ronta is not very good. Piotr Kochetkov is, you know. He's inconsistent. He hasn't established himself yeah. as that number one type yet. Yeah. And he's had many opportunities to take take the reins and he just hasn't done it yet. So that's why, like, if I'm Carolina and I want to focus, if I don't want offense for some reason, which I think offense is their number one thing they should get, but if they don't want it, go for a goalie over a defenseman. Uh, but that being said, Ferraro is really good. So I don't think it hurts them if they, if they get him. Ferraro is really good. So the Winnipeg Jets signed Nino Niederreiter to a three-year extension. Uh, what, what are the terms on it? What's the money on it? Um, it was four mil per for three years. Really? Yeah. So that's a good contract for Nino, if you're Nino. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair deal for both sides. I mean, will Nino be worth four mil in three years? To Like in this cap era, probably not. But at the same time, the cap will probably go up in three years. And also you want players, If like I always say this about teams like Winnipeg, you want players that want to be there. And Nino has enjoyed being in Winnipeg. He's like embraced the Winnipeg Jets and everything. A lot of guys who go to Winnipeg want to just leave whenever they can. So to get a guy like that who wants to be there, I, I'm fine with that that deal, especially because he's been good with them this season. Do you have any thoughts of the Winnipeg Jets as, you know, they currently sit third in the division. Um, they're 13-8-2. They, you know, Kyle Connor has 14 goals. Mark Shifley has 25 points. Cole Perfetti's looked really good. What do you think about the Jets, Pau? Like I said earlier, they're just like a weird team. I don't really never know what to expect with the Jets. Um, I want them to do good because I really like the Jets fan base. And I think like 
their playoff hockey especially is fun to watch um but I don't know what's what's what their deal is. You know, like this season, I was expecting them to kind of fall off a little bit and be more of like a bottom feeder team. But they've been really good. Um, I don't know, especially because the Central, as I said, it's a weak division. But at the same time, you've got teams like Arizona that have been winning games. You've got teams like St. Louis that are kind of in there. Nashville's not really too far behind Winnipeg. Um, it was a big win for of, Nashville yesterday against Buffalo. Yeah, Exactly. So like the central is, is weird. It's like not a great division, but at the same time, there's many teams that could take over that third spot after Dallas and Colorado. Despite it not it being a great division, um, we're looking at a possibility that five teams from that division make the playoffs, though. That's what I'm saying. It's like the, the central is just also weird just because like after Colorado and Dallas, I don't think any of those teams can contend for a cup right now. But they're all just like really like, you know, there, they're all in the race for, for playoff spots right now, other than like Chicago and even Minnesota could make a, a surge. They're three and zero with John Hines, you know, has Gabe Velarde been hurt? Speaking of former Windsor Spitfires, he's back now, but he has been hurt. Okay. He was hurt. He, he got uh hit by Blake Lazat against LA and he chirped Blake Lazat. He said, I played with him. He does a lot of stupid stuff like that. And then LA Kings fans were, you know, beefing with Velarde on social media for a bit after that. Yeah. Um, that trade, if if Velarde really gets going, that trade could really swing itself back in Winnipeg's favor. Um, not to say that it isn't already in Winnipeg's favor, um, but Alex Ayafalo, you know, he has, he has 13 points. I think he has the same amount of points even as Dubois, maybe even a couple more. Um but I follow. I, I think it goes in LA's favor. I would just say it's. I'm in Winnipeg's favor. I would just say it's like an even fair trade because um, Dubois didn't want to be in Winnipeg. Meanwhile, Velarde loves it there. I follow has been doing good there. Um, yeah, so I'm just saying if you got like two players that are contributing, right? Like yeah. that's a more a net positive than even one player cooking like yeah. that. I know they. Bring I just also things. don't think that. I don't think LA's playing as good as they are if they have Velarde and I fall over Dubois because then at third line center, they're probably running not as great of a line. Yeah. And also part of it is like, you know, maybe it's, you know, they needed to re- remove some guys from the lineup. They had LA almost had too many guys, right. Yeah. Where those yeah. like, like I know Sean Walker's having a really good season in Philadelphia right now, yeah. but like they had to let him go right in that Cal Peterson, um, cap dump swap type thing that they yeah. that they did in the summer um anyways uh moving on from the jets i think nino nino writer is a good signing for them i think uh it's going to be really tough for the jets to get out of the first round um it's fun to see nikolai ehlers playing well too um he gets a lot of stuff that maybe sometimes he shouldn't always get from Jets fans uh, for maybe just not performing as well. But he's so talented and um, really cares a lot about being a Winnipeg Jet, which, like you were saying, in those smaller Canadian markets is important, right? Yeah. Okay, so the IIHF mandated that net guards will be mandatory at all events going forward. Um, you were kind of on this this morning. Um, what... What are, what does this entail? I mean, we kind of know what it entails. Obviously, this is in the wake of Adam Johnson and what happened in Britain. But um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be for all IHF events from, you know, world championships to Olympic Games to um, 
even like the development cup coming up that we talked about. So every single IHF event is going to have mandatory net guards now going forward. Um, as like a hockey fan, it makes sense to do obviously with what happened to Adam Johnson and everything. So I'm not opposed to it. I've seen a lot of people saying, Oh, the sport is getting too soft. I don't think this is soft or anything. It's, you know, just taking precautions uh, as a hockey player. I'm not a big fan of wearing net guards, but you know, if it's mandatory, it's not the end of the world. So, I mean, if it keeps people safe, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Do we uh, have any knowledge if the PWHL is going to be implementing mandatory net guards for players? I don't think that they put anything out about that, but um, maybe they do. I don't, I don't see the NHL ever doing it. So it's hard, right? Because in the NHL, it has to be a, um, it has to be a player driven thing that yeah. the PA accepts um, the NHL and the owners aren't allowed to just go in and be like, this is what you have to wear. Um, yeah. Players do have a right with things like that. Like the, the visor thing had to be um, agreed upon and voted upon. So we'll see. There are a lot of leagues overseas that are implementing rules. Um, I feel like there's like a new league every couple days that puts in a rule in place that you got to wear neck guards. So so we'll see about that. Um, Panos, do you have any thoughts on Brad Marchand? He had a natural hat trick that we mentioned earlier against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I have um, my own personal vendettas against Brad Marchand as a person who has casually followed the Toronto Maple Leafs over the last 10 years. Um, he had the overtime winner against the Leafs on Saturday night. Um, he had the hat trick yesterday. It's his first season as captain of the Boston Bruins. Um just do you have do you have a few words on Brad Marchand? I love Brad Marchand, Puck Empire follower. So I mean, of course, I gotta love. Brad is he really? Eh? Yeah, he is. He's commented on a lot of my stuff too. So uh, I, it's hard not to root for him, and um, I'm I'm happy also that he's you know captain of of the Bruins. I thought that was a long time coming. I, I always knew he was next up behind Bergeron, but I just didn't know if he was going to get the chance because I didn't think Bergeron was going to retire as soon as he did. Um, so I'm happy that he's going to get at least a few years as captain in Boston because he deserves it. Um, and he's been having a really good season. It's, ba- it's basically been him and uh, Pasternak who have been running that Bruins offense. So it's been fun to watch. And he's always a fun player to watch just because of how I really like the way he just he goes out there with the goal of pissing people off. It's really funny to watch. That's kind of like, you know, back when, you know, I played more, I would that's what I would do, too. I kind of modeled my game after Brad Marchand, just going out there to piss off as many people as possible. So it's it's funny to watch. That's what he does, though, right? Like that's his that's what makes him effective. And he's still an effective player on the other side of the puck, too, just being like he's still putting up incredible numbers. And it's cool to watch. Did you see Patrice Bergeron skating in that uh, Bruins (laughs) alumni game? Yeah, that was kind of funny just because it was all guys that have retired years and years ago. And then just Bergeron and Kevin Miller were suing up for the Bruins alumni. Is it just me or does Bergeron, did he actually look younger skating in that game than he did last season playing for the Bruins? Yeah, he actually did. He did. Even even like just like the, he had the clean shaven look going on too. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any chance he comes back in plays? No, I think he's done. But I would love to see him come back and play because I still think he was a top, you know, 15 center in the NHL, top like 12 even. Like he was the best defensive center and the best defensive forward in the league last year. Yeah. So he was still elite defensively, you know. I just don't think he will because the reason he retired wasn't because of age. It was because of health. You know, he retired after all the injuries he sustained over his career. So I think he's done. 
for good. So that, that'll wrap on the Bruins, but this came across our desk is right before we started recording of Genny Kuznetsov. It's going to be a scratch tonight for the Washington Capitals. Um, Spencer Carberry said it was a uh, mental health rest, you said, or just a mental reset, right? Mental reset, yeah. Um, who They play the Coyotes tonight in Arizona. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on Evgeny Kuznetsov? Is this a larger picture issue? Is this maybe just a one-off? I mean, I was I was shocked at first because I thought he was having a good season, but he only has uh, four goals, nine points through 19 games, so it's not as good as I thought. Um, Kuznetsov won it out of Washington before the season, so I'm not too surprised that he's still kind of struggling. I was expecting to be traded last offseason. Um, that obviously didn't happen, so I don't know what's going to happen with him. His, his cap hit is too much for a team to want to take on with the way that he's playing. Um, so it might just be kind of like a ride it out situation, and then in the offseason, you come back to it, and either it's like a buyout or it's a trade or something like that because. I can't see him being in Washington past this season, but I also can't see anyone taking him on during the season. Just a thought. Um, you know, there's a team with a lot of Russians in the Metropolitan Division that needs a center. Just a thought. Who? The Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, <laughs> true. And they, they were linked to him, actually, in the offseason, uh, this past offseason. I just think with Kuznetsov, it's hard because who... Like you said, like it's a big cap hit, and it's also there have been purported issues with Kuznetsov. Not to saying, I don't know the guy. I'm not gonna paint him in a corner here, but there have been some some talks that it's a bit difficult to include him in your dressing room, um, to put it lightly. So, you know, would a team like Anaheim, right, with a lot of cap space and some spots on the roster, like yeah, sure, maybe they could use that kind of player. But I don't know if Kuzi is the guy that you would target, right, if you were Anaheim. Same with a team like Arizona, even though I think Arizona's playing too well to to even – I don't think they even need him. Yeah, but, I think I think it's more like it's going to be a situation kind of with like uh, Duchesne or Ryan Johansson where they just uh, – well, was Ryan Johansson traded? He was. He was. Yes, he was. Okay, so it's going to be more like a Duchesne thing where they just kind of buy him out and um, – he's going to find a new place that way. That's what I'm expecting. Cause I don't think he's at least Ryan Johansson was like kind of performing and uh, didn't, doesn't have the attitude issues that have been reported out of Kuznetsov. Um, so that's what I think will happen with, with Kuznetsov. So he'll be bought out and he'll have a chance to go somewhere else and kind of rejuvenate his career. If that is the case, I could definitely see the Carolina hurricanes being a team that um, might show a little interest in a situation like that. Um, so you haven't put out your weekly award rankings yet, right? No, no I did. I, I did. Oh, you did. Um, That's what I said earlier. I, I put Panarin at number one on this week's MVP uh, rankings. Oh, you did. I didn't even get yeah. to look at this. Um, but I know you wanted to uh, take a second or take a minute and have a little bit of a talk about Connor Ingram. So you want the floor on on the Arizona netminder? Yeah, I'm a big Connor Ingram fan. He was a really highly touted goalie prospect years and years ago and then he never really panned out with the teams he was with uh, Tampa and Nashville so I'm happy that he's in Arizona right now and he's actually the first Arizona goaltender since Mike Smith in 2012 to be the first star of the week for the NHL's stars you know so that was really cool to see he's been dominating I have him on fourth place in my Vesna rankings so it's been cool to watch him play he's kind of taken the starting job away from 
uh, Vegemelka in Arizona. So that's been cool. Do you think he is a potential possibility to get moved to a contender or someone that maybe needs a little bit of goaltending depth looking at you, Edmonton? No, I don't think they should move him at all. I think Arizona's trying to make the playoffs right now because basically if Arizona wants to, if the Coyotes want to stay in Arizona, they need to show some results now and get some fans interested. So I think their goal really is to make the playoffs this year. So I think if they are going to trade a goalie, it'd be Vejmalka, but I don't think they'll trade either one, especially with Ivan Prozvatov being gone now. They don't really have another goalie to rely on if they trade one of those guys. So I could see it being one of those situations where they have two good goalies. I know Vejmalka struggled a little bit this season, but two goalies that you can roll if one starts getting a little cold, I think that's good for Arizona. You mentioned it being important to win games to keep a team like this that is, as of right now, looking for an arena to play in for the foreseeable future. Um, is it... So we know the players on the ice are giving it everything they have. That's why they are in the position they currently in, which is first in the first wild card spot in the West. Um, but we know that tanking largely is a management-driven initiative normally. Um because the players are always going to try their hardest. They're professional athletes. They're getting paid. Um, you you don't think that maybe if they they drop a couple or like is, is this really the season for Arizona to make that push in the playoffs? Like, could you see Bill Armstrong maybe making a move to augment the roster as opposed to subtracting off the roster? If they fall behind, if they start going on a losing streak or something like that, and they fall quite a bit out of the playoff race. I could see them rebuilt, like going for another type of like tank year. Um, but for now, I don't see a reason to do it. They've been tanking basically since 2012 when they last made the conference finals. Eventually you have to start implementing a winning culture for your team. So if I'm Arizona, I'm trying to win the games. And like I said, the central is open after the top two teams, Dallas and Colorado. I really don't see why if Arizona keeps playing the way they have, they can't be the third place team in the central. Um, it'd be kind of goofy to have a team playing in a college arena in the NHL playoffs. It'd be really funny. But at the same time, that barn would probably be rocking too. So I think that'd be cool to watch. Uh, I am, you know, I, I like Arizona. I want the Coyotes to stay in Arizona. So I am kind of silently rooting for them. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't see why the, the team would uh, tank a year when they're doing good, especially when like uh, they went out and they got all these guys in free agency too. You know, like they paid... Uh, to bring in Alex Kerfoot and they paid to bring in Jason Zucker and they paid to bring in Matt Dumba. Why would they do all that if they're just going to, you know, tank when they're winning games now? No, I hear you. I hear you. I'm still not a Alex Kerfoot guy. I know he had three points or something the other day when they beat the Blues, but... Um... I think you're just a salty Leafs fan. No, it's not even that. Like, okay, Kerfoot gave us a memorable overtime winner. Um, it's just the money they gave him... Um, the the role that they expect him to play. I do have a bit of a a personal slight against the Coyotes right now. I've been uh, paying attention to their AHL team, the Tucson Roadrunners, a little bit. Um, mostly because they have two really exciting young prospects on the team, and I've been interested to see how that works out. Uh, one of them being Dylan Genther, who uh, started the season last year with the Coyotes before being sent to the World Juniors, scoring the... Golden goal was that last year that he scored the golden goal, or was that? I think it was. Yeah, um, scored the golden goal for Canada, and then they sent him back. He was traded; his rights were traded from Edmonton to Seattle, where he won another WHL championship. Um, 
And so I've been paying attention to him and also Josh Stone, right? I think if we're talking about keeping the Coyotes in Arizona, I think that's a prospect that is so intriguing, right? Like born and he's Shane Doan's kid, for crying out loud. He born and raised in Arizona, went to Arizona State, was captain at Arizona State, scored the first goal in the arena that they play in. He scored the very first goal ever at Mullet. I don't know if you knew that, but like in an Arizona State game, he scored the first goal at Mullet. And they haven't played him for a game yet with the Coyotes. And he just scored, I think he had two goals. He might have had a hat trick, but I think it was two goals in one of the games this weekend. You know, Genther and Doan are both playing in the fourth line in Tucson. Wow, really? Yeah. And I, I don't, I, I took a picture of the lineup. I, I can see if I can find it, but um, you've got to put those guys in position to succeed more. And then when you have guys like, like, this is nothing against these guys, right? They're fine hockey players. They're NHLers because they're on the Coyotes. But when you have, like, Liam O'Brien and Travis Boyd clogging up your depth chart and those guys could be grinders on teams that are actually gunning for the Stanley Cup, you need to give those young, exciting kids. Like, I've seen Josh Stone play a couple times. He's electric. And you you, you need a kid like that if you're the Coyotes. I think that's so important, right, to be like, hey, we have this homegrown star, you know, we have this homegrown. Even if he, even if he doesn't put up crazy numbers like that, like you got to give him some games, even just for the the fan base. Okay, so I have the I have the the starting lineup for the Tucson Roadrunners. I'm gonna read this to you guys just to prove to you that there were three lines of players ahead of Genther and Doan. Uh, we have Pagansky, Baron, and Ratu, Jan Yannick, Zach Sanford, and John Leonard. Second line, third line. Um, Curtis Douglas, Johan Hebig, I think his name is, and then a player who I assume is Hunter Drew. Um, and then the fourth line is Dylan Genther, Nathan Smith, and Josh Stone. Nathan Smith, also a Florida native. Shout out uh, people that played in the Florida Scholastic High School Hockey League. Um, me and Nate Smith together. Um, so, no, uh, but I, I just think you got to give those guys an opportunity, right? Um and the the Coyotes will be a good team, I think, eventually, especially if they shove those guys on the in the lineup towards the end of the year. Okay, that's I've my Coyotes saying rant. This, what I've do you been got? saying this season, like I I think that Josh Doan will be up in the NHL at some point this season, just because with the uncertainty of if the Coyotes are ever going to play in Arizona after this season. What if know, they I, exactly? I, what if they move? That's what I'm saying. I think 100% Josh Doan will get at least one game in the NHL this season with the Coyotes just because there's that uncertainty. I don't think they are moving. I think they will stay in Arizona, but I think for sure we'll see him in the NHL at some point. He's got to get at least a game. Yeah, I think he will, 100%. That would be the biggest L ever if he didn't play a game and then they moved this summer (laughs) to like Quebec City or something. Okay, um... That'll wrap on the NHL talk. I did want to bring up a couple of things uh, personally that I got to watch. Um, I watched a bit of college hockey this weekend, Panos. So I figured um, it's a little hard for you to watch. I I think it's next to impossible for someone in Canada to watch U.S. college hockey, right? So here we have ESPN Plus, and I have an ESPN Plus subscription, and that is how I watch 90% of the NHL games I watch. Obviously, the games that are on the TNT broadcast are not on ESPN+. Um, Blackhawks games are not on for us because it's a local blackout. 
But we get all these, like, college hockey games, and it's awesome. Like, just being able to supplement your afternoon with a little bit of college hockey, it's uh, it's really fun. So I, I really enjoyed the Saturday, or the Sunday 2 o'clock start, too, for some hockey games. I know everybody's watching football during that time, but here I am watching college hockey. Um, so I just wanted to shout out, um, I watched our our uh Greek Heritage Team player Massimo Lombardi play with the University of Vermont Countermounts. Uh, they played a tough game. They lost on Sunday to UMass Lowell, who is a uh, top 10 ranked team now, I think, after that win. Um, it was just a physical game, right? And I also wanted to to bring this up to you, Panos. I don't know if you saw Torts' comments about John Tortorella's comments on the, I think it was the Garnett Hathaway Luke Hughes hit, um, just saying how hockey is players aren't learning how to take hits anymore and that it's a lost art. I watch a college hockey game and I could not agree less. I think it might just be, I'm serious. I think it might just be like an NHL thing, right? Where you're at the highest level, you're getting paid. So if it's your buddy in the corner, maybe you let up a bit. I'm not saying that that's what happens at all, but I'm just saying that, you know, at the highest of levels like the NHL, it, makes sense that some of these guys are caught off guard by these hits like Hathaway on Luke Hughes where in a junior hockey game you know and I know they're trying to take out the physicality out of junior hockey with some of the fighting roles and I don't necessarily disagree with that but I think that's a separate discussion but um, you watch a college hockey game and it's still so physical like the the UMass and Vermont game was just bone crunching hit after bone crunching hit and um so I just wanted to shout out that physical hockey is still alive. Um, and do you have any thoughts on Torts' comments at all? Um, I mean, Luke Hughes, that was a pretty weak, uh, a pretty weak, I think they called it a penalty, yeah? Yeah. Or at least, like, yeah, that was very weak in my opinion. I agree with Torts on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think the NHL is getting a little bit of weak with those penalties. Hockey has always been a physical sport. And I just it kind of sucks that they're taking the physicality out of it a little bit. Yeah, I think Torts' argument though was that it was like it's more being ingrained into the game, and maybe that's a little bit true. But I think at some of these levels, like you still really do get some physical hockey, even even some games. Like I I, I won't proclaim to have watched a lot of Ontario Hockey League games this season so far. Um, I've watched like half of one to be very honest, but. Um, it's not like I think those those kids care so much like that's why junior hockey is exciting. It's for the same reason that people love um, college basketball and college football because the emotions just so high and in a sport like hockey like that emotion is going to be like supercharged in some of these like 18 year old 19 year old kids. Right. So um, I don't know if it's necessarily that I think it might just be like a comfortability thing at the the top levels. Anyways. Moving on from torts, I did want to give another shout-out. I watched Maine play college hockey. Um, they were ranked 11th before the weekend, and then they won twice against UConn. And do you know anything about Josh and Bradley Nadeau? I know that Bradley Nadeau is a Carolina Hurricanes prospect. Yeah, okay. So the Hurricanes picked Bradley Nadeau 30th overall in this last year's draft. Um he was playing, I think, with the Penticton V's of BCHL, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and 
I watched the game Friday and the game Sunday. And on so his brother Josh was not drafted, um, but he was an invite to Carolina Hurricanes development camp this year too. It's only because uh, his brother Josh is a few years older, but they're both freshmen now at University of Maine. And Josh had a hat trick on Friday, and then Bradley had a hat trick on Sunday, and it was electric. Like I just, I, I'm sitting in my living room. Watching this Maine versus UConn game, and shout out UConn. They are a good team. Um, I just think Maine is a wagon this year. Matthew Wood is a really good player on UConn. He was a Nashville pick. He um, Just a quick thought on Matthew Wood. He's really talented. He has an awesome shot. I think it's a fine line between being a, you know, I think the with the UConn, there's a lot on the broadcast. There's a lot of Tage Thompson comparisons. Um not saying he's going to turn into Tage Thompson at all, but I think at that level, there's a he needs to work. Like I saw him take a couple bad penalties on Sunday, and um, there's just a fine line between being Tage Thompson and being Michael McCarron. And so, um, like <laughs> I, that's not that's not meant to be a dig at Michael McCarron. He's found himself a spot actually in the Nashville Predators lineup recently. Um, yeah, but you know what I'm saying, where it's like you got to be able to like stick with it consistently and be able to use your size and that shot and reach to your advantage. Um, but anyways, so Bradley Nadeau, yeah, he played two seasons with the Penticton Vs. They won the BCHL championship both years that they were there. He had 113 points in 54 games, so that's 45 goals, 68 assists. Just so phenomenal. And and I'm watching the game on Sunday, and UConn takes a one nothing lead after the first period. And I'm like, I'm watching for these guys, right? I'm watching for Wood, and I'm watching for the Nadeau brothers. Um, and I'm like, is this really going to turn into something? And then the dude scored a hat trick, and I was like, okay, this this is electric. And so, yeah, me and um, college hockey, you you have these – I want to see new teams in college hockey. And this is this is my college hockey rant. I think we're going to try and get away for Panos to get into it a little bit. And um, – I think we're going to – we should do like a College Hockey Mondays. I kind of like this. Um, but um, you have these schools like Arizona State, right? And everybody wants to go to Arizona State. And I fully believe that College Hockey does need to expand into places like the Pac-12 RIP. Um, but like those those kinds of areas and um, like the SEC, right? Like imagine Florida State or University of Florida or Georgia or Alabama – Right or on the West Coast, if you had like UCLA, USC, uh, Washington, University of Washington, um, if those schools had college hockey, that would be electric, and a lot of kids would go there. Right, you'd get those kids from the area, especially those West Coast schools would get the kids from Western Canada even a lot more probably. Um, but it's really fun to see these schools like Maine be really good because my only thought of Maine growing up is like. Paul Correa, like there's a lot of really cool documentaries on just out and about. And I know there's one on ESPN uh, that they did on that main Black Bears team from the 90s that had Paul Correa on it. And uh, Paul Correa was one of my first favorite NHL players. So uh, it's cool to see those types of schools being successful still in the game. Um, because, you know, this is the, this is also the age of college hockey where you have Michigan loading up with like 10 first round picks on a on a team. And um, so when, when you get these, like, two brothers that just are like, yeah, we're going to go to Maine and we're going to make them a top five school in the nation, 
I think that's sick. Um, I don't know how long the Nadeau brothers will stay at Maine, um, but that's my College Hockey Monday minute. Um, a little bit more than a minute, though. <laughs> Panos, can we play one last game before we wrap up? Oh, man, a game. Yeah, I want to I wanna know, do you know where the uh, the Memorial Cup is being held this year? Yeah, it's in Saginaw. Yeah, it is in Saginaw. I think we, we might have mentioned that on here. Um, so they'll get an automatic bid. Um, I was going to go back 20 years. I was going to go back to 2003, but I think that might be a bit of a fucking stretch. I was going to see how many... Um, do you, how many how many uh, Memorial Cup winners do you think you can name of the last even 10, None. 15 years? None? Other than the Spitfires. Do you know what year the Spitfires won the Memorial Cup? 2017? Um, yeah. And then I think that was it, right? No, they won two other ones. If we're going back all the way to 2003. Oh. Which, we, won, we won 09 and 10, right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, that was the the Taylor Hall Zach Cassian years that they won. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if that was only OHL championships or if that was Memorial Cups too. No, they won the Memorial Cup both those years. Okay. I think Peter DeBoer was the coach of both those teams, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but dude, I spent like not to go on like a hockey nerd uh, tangent here, but I might have I might have spent like an hour and a half at like two a.m. yesterday just watching. Um, TSN has these clips up on YouTube of just like the game highlights from the Memorial Cup finals from like the last 10 of them. And there were some games that I've like, those are some of the earliest games that I have like imprinted in my brain. Like the Anthony Sorelli game, uh, 2015, scored two goals. He was an OHL rookie and uh, that was Oshawa beating uh, Kelowna. Um, And I like, you watch these games and you're like, oh yeah, Leon Dreisaitl was on Kelowna that year. And because he played on the Prince Albert Raiders and then was traded to Kelowna for the Memorial Cup. And then who else? Uh, you know, you have the the London Knights, obviously, in 2016 with Mitch Marner. Do you know who scored the Memorial Cup winning goal that year? No. Matthew Kachuk. Oh, wow. And then I'll wrap up with this, but um, you had the Ruan Naranda Huskies. And I don't know if you know this, but our, a friend of ours... Uh, Staz Abandonado, shout out Staz. Um, his brother Peter scored the Memorial Cup winning goal for the for the Huskies. So uh, that was pretty cool to watch as well. That was in 2019. Yeah, my my junior's hockey knowledge is Windsor Spitfires. <laughs> That's about it. I think they're playing better. Aren't they playing a little bit better lately? Uh, yeah. Still stuck. It's tough. It's tough to to be consistently good in junior hockey. Um, yeah, it's like basically impossible unless you're the London Knights. I the London Knights are actually struggling a bit this year. I've heard but quite quite a few. They're always going to be like a playoff team because they do some things to get good players. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's our uh, Monday college hockey and Memorial Cup check. Who it today? Who's winning the Memorial Cup? Winter Spitfires. Right on. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Got to stay low with my guys, even though we're probably not even – we're probably winning the lottery over the Memorial Cup. Eventually, yeah. we're going to – I wonder – I don't think you can bet on the, the CHL or the Memorial Cup at all, but um, – I feel like you can. 
we're gonna look into. I'm gonna look into it for for Wednesday, and if we can, we're gonna pick a team and we're gonna ride oh, yeah. hard with those teams until until the springtime. So the last thing that I want to bring up before we wrap for today is uh, Raven. What's up, dog? Not much. Um. So Raven here is on a hockey podcast, and he is, let's say, a bit newer to the game, which is good. We're trying to bring all kinds of people into the game of hockey. It's, uh, it's never a bad thing. So if we can create a nice new hockey fan here, we're good. So, Raven, your fandom is up for auction. It is. I grew up outside of Milwaukee, so Admirals games were something that I wasn't foreign to. I've been to a few of them. Love the game, love the energy of the game, and wanting to get into NHL, but not really having a team that I can gravitate towards since, you know, we're right in the middle of three great teams around us with Chicago to the south and Detroit and the wild to the east and west. But yeah, it's something that I wanted to get into. It's something that, you know, we we thought it would be fun to have the audience have a say in it where... If there is one person that tells Raven what fan of a team he should be, I, I think you need to become a fan of that team immediately. Yeah. If someone leaves a comment, we'll make a clip of this to put on our Instagram. If someone just leaves a comment of why I should be a fan of this team, you know what? I'll start rooting for him. I'll buy a hat <laughs> like right right away. We'll we'll go full full into this. So So are you looking are you just looking for like that first suggestion? Or are you willing to like you know, maybe bounce around, try a few different I'm teams. Da- I'm and- down to bounce around for a little bit, but you know, once once we find one that fits, we're gonna settle down. So. Yeah. No, no, no. Once you find the one, you gotta you gotta stick with it. Do you have any suggestions, Panos? Early on, maybe. Well, it depends on what he's looking for. Is he looking for a team to stick through with a rebuild, or is he looking for a team that's already contending, or is he looking for a team in the middle? I mean, I'm a Brewers fan deep down, so. You know, no no one can disappoint me more than the Milwaukee Brewers. So well, we could probably like, find you. A we could teams. probably find a few teams that could disappoint me a few, a little bit more. But you know, <laughs> someone in the middle of the pack, I always enjoy trying to see them get better and then become a championship team. That's always a really fun just route to be a fan for. So it's kind of what happened to me in British soccer. So are there any teams that are like, like outright off the list, right off the hop? St. Louis. Okay. Sorry, St. Louis fans, but, you know, Milwaukee <laughs> fan, St. Louis doesn't get along. All right, so no blues. Um, yeah, I think we'll, uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Uh, everybody, anybody, tell Raven what fan of a hockey team he should be, what hockey team he should be a fan of. And um, that'll conclude it for Monday. We'll be back Wednesday. Leave five stars and follow us. And rate please. all the other shows on the network. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.